0: You're listening to TASH Amplified, a podcast that seeks to transform research and experience concerning inclusion and equity for people with disabilities into solutions people can use in their everyday lives. Today we have two of our favorite regular contributors to our annual conference, Paula Wills and Michelle Phillips, both of whom work at the Family Resource Center on Disabilities, which is the Parent Training and Information Center for the Chicago metropolitan area. Paula is today's guest interviewer. She is the Technology Outreach Coordinator at the Family Resource Center on Disabilities. She is also the co-vice president of the Illinois TASH chapter and has been the photographer at our annual conference for two years running. Importantly for TASH Amplified, because Paula does her own interviews at Blog Talk Radio, she helped us get started when we were just trying to figure out this podcast thing. Paula is interviewing Michelle Phillips, her boss and the executive director at the Family Resource Center on Disabilities. Michelle will be a panelist at one of the general sessions at our 2016 annual conference to be held in St. Louis from Wednesday, November 30th to Friday, December 2nd. In today's interview, they discuss the services available through the Parent Training and Information Centers and Michelle's own experience shepherding her son through the provisions of the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. The upgrades continue here at TASH Amplified. Starting this week, we now have a regular musical introduction. An original composition and performance by Sonny Seferati, the co-director and autistic self-advocacy mentor at the musical Autist.
1: yourself.
2: My name is Michelle Phillips. I'm the Executive Director of the Family Resource Center on Disabilities. That's the Parent Training and Information Center for the Chicago metro area. I'm a parent of a 21-year-old with osteogenesis imperfecta and the grandmother of a soon-to-be three-year-old that also has osteogenesis imperfecta. I actually was a recipient of services at the Parent Center and that is one of the reasons that I am so passionate about the work that we do here to ensure that our families of children with disabilities receive a free appropriate public education.
1: So could you talk a little bit about um, IDEA and why the Parent uh, Center exists?
2: Family Resource Center on Disabilities is a parent training and information center. We're funded through the U.S. Department of Ed Office of Special Education Programs, and we're one of the first five parent centers in the United States. We have at least one in each state, and we're one of 104 in the nation. And what we're charged to do is to help families understand individuals with Disabilities Education Act idea and help them navigate the special education system. We provide services that are free of charge for families, so we provide free trainings. We're available 9 to 5 to answer questions on the phone, and we do trainings at In the community as well Uh, and our goal is to help empower a family to be their child's best advocate and I know from personal experience as well as most of the staff at most of the parent centers um, that navigating the special education system is cumbersome often difficult uh, sometimes full of tears so we're going to get
1: to the tears part um (laughs) and one of the key components from my understanding of IDEA is the IEP um So for families who don't understand what that is or are new to the special education process, could you briefly explain what an individualized education program or IEP is and what is its purpose, uh, how it serves a child with a disability?
2: If we can visualize that the IEP is a plan that's designed to meet the child's needs. So it's kind of like a roadmap, what the child needs, what services they may need, and who's going to provide those services. So... The IEP is going to be this written document uh, that is developed based on individual and unique needs of each child. What the IEP has, the IEP has, uh, it tells if a student is eligible, first of all. There's 13 uh, qualifying categories in Illinois. And then uh, it has a statement of the student's uh, present level of academic achievement and functional performance. There's a statement of measurable annual goals, short-term objectives. a description of how the child is progressing. There's periodic reports of progress should be provided. Um, It covers related services, supplementary aid, supports, programs. Um, Really, it's also an explanation of the extent they will be participating in the uh, general education classroom. And it's really important that families actually understand what the IEP is. And so often, that doesn't actually happen. So that's our goal, is to help families understand that the IEP should Incorporate the services that a, ch- a child needs when they are receiving special education services.
1: So, yeah, absolutely, Michelle. I, r- I really appreciate you uh, kind of breaking that down. Um, but one of the things, uh, particularly with the individualized education program or uh, IEP, is that it's a team process. Right. Uh, from our understand, from our understanding, and uh, the parent is a, a key player in in that team. So the thing is, I guess what we want to kind of understand is what is the parent's role in the IEP team and
2: why why is their input so important? Parents are actually equal partners according to IDEA. So a parent should be an equal partner on that team. A parent is part of the team, but the team also includes students, general education teachers, special education teachers, school administrators, evaluation personnel, and really any other people that are qualified um, with special expertise on your child so a family a parent needs to be part of that process understand the IEP process if they have any questions uh, to be able to get those questions addressed and so often families we go into IEPs and professionals are using language that we don't often understand and it's so it's okay for a family to say you know I don't really understand what that means uh, can you can you explain to me in words that I can understand because there's so much jargon used so a family is, An equal partner in this process, and the family is the expert on the child. And so, often at the Parent Center, what we do here is help families be confident with the knowledge that they do have about their child. Although we are equal partners, uh, so often that's not really how it manifests at a meeting. So, at the meeting, the one thing parents want to make sure they know is that they they re- make sure they know to get their 10-day notice. So you want to make sure you get that IP notice. And on that IEP notice, you're going to see who's all attending that meeting. You want to make sure that the people that you want to attend that meeting are there. Um, in addition, you want to make sure that the required people that need to attend that meeting are there, which would be yourself, obviously, um, and the, a general education teacher, a special education teacher, a school administrator, evaluation personnel uh, that are... That can explain evaluations and our test results and and then anyone else that's knowledgeable um, about your child but also the student so uh, the student we as a best practice we encourage families to always start bringing their kids into an iep meeting uh, early on in illinois of the in Illinois, families don't, our children don't have to start participating in the IEP meeting until they're 14 and a half. That's when transition starts. Federal law is 16. But we encourage families to bring that kid in each IEP meeting, even if it's for three or four minutes, to say, hey, this is what I like about school, or this is what I don't like, or what's happening. So that way, the kids get an opportunity to start learning how to communicate uh, what they like, what they don't like. It's kind of the beginning of self-advocacy. Um, so so. We, we encourage that as well.
1: No, absolutely. Um, Self-advocacy for parents as, you know, we encourage parents to self-advocate, encourage children to self-advocate. But
2: But your question was at the meeting, parents being equal partners. um, And so often, you know, families have a very difficult time in feeling like an equal partner. So one of the things we do at the Parent Center is not only teach them about the laws, but how to navigate and communicate at that meeting, and, and we're often intimidated. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only person that's been intimidated by people that have PhDs and are experts at this and experts at that. And we often are at these meetings with all of these experts, and it can be intimidating, regardless of your, you know, how much education you have. Uh, so families really have to feel comfortable in not knowing everything. You're the expert at your child on your child, but it's okay to say. I'm sorry, what does that mean? What does that word mean? Or can you explain that further? I'm going to need some more information. But to ask as many questions as you need to ask so you can participate fully and meaningfully and that you really feel like you're an equal partner. But it, if you don't understand what's happening, it's hard to feel like you're an equal partner.
1: So you mentioned earlier that you are a parent of a child with a disability and a grandparent as well, and you have gone through the whole IEP process from his childhood to his adulthood. Um, could you talk about uh, basically your feelings and what you encountered? What were some of the fears you experienced uh, going to that first IEP meeting? And how did you grow to the point where you were like,
2: you know, power mom? That's a great question. So I have now a 21 year old that has osteogenesis imperfecta, and I have a grandchild that's about to be three with osteogenesis imperfecta. So I. I was a recipient of services here at the Family Resource Center on Disabilities, and I found the Parent Center when my son was about seven. I would say when I first started going to IEP meetings, I really didn't understand what was happening. We were just having some meeting. I was having a meeting with the school. I'm sure I heard the words IEP, but I didn't really understand what that meant. Um, I do remember as I was starting to understand when I would go into the meetings, if I had a bad morning that morning and a, and a good morning at that time was my son not breaking a bone. Uh, so if I had a good morning that morning, uh, things would be great. But if we had a tough morning when I'd go into those IEP meetings, this happened more than once, they would say, well, what's happening at home or how are things going? And I might have came across and said less than pleasing things because I was frustrated that morning. Well, I didn't realize at the time that was my IEP input statement. Uh, It took me a while to catch on, so I've had some funny stories and some less less than pleasing stories. But as I started to learn, come to the parent center and learn about the law and really how to communicate that information, uh, it wasn't a smooth transition. It was lots of bumps in the road um, because, you know, it it doesn't. You have to get along with other human beings, and you have to remember. I think often that maybe I forgot that it wasn't about me. um, That it was about my child, but so often things felt personal, Um, if I felt intimidated or less than or uh, things like that. So there was a lot of personal emotions involved with everything that I went through. So when I finally started to come to the Parent Center and the Parent Center, how I found out about that was that another parent let me know about it. And so often that's what happens with families. One family tells another family that tells another family. And when I started to come to the Parent Center, I thought, well, these people live in Mayberry. That was my favorite saying, that these people live in Mayberry because this is not what happens in the streets. This is not how, you know, this hasn't been my experience. It doesn't go this smooth. Um, And I remember, although I wasn't 100% sold on the parent centers at that time, what I did is I went home and I used the language that they told me to use, which was the word appropriate. So every time um, that something was happening at school, I would reflect back on the word appropriate, and use my my language would be, you know, I don't believe that's appropriate for him because of A, B, C, and D. Um, And what happened was people knew that somebody was talking to me and that I knew something. And I slowly but surely things started to shift uh, in how they communicated with me, how I communicated with them as well.
1: So uh, one of the things that uh you talked about uh, along with the uh transition that you you underwent from before you started attending a parent center to um as you started learning uh the language of i d e a um you, uh could you talk about like how you began to develop strategies so uh, some of the strategies as to before the IEP meeting and strategies maybe during the IEP meeting?
2: So here are some things that we actually still do at the Parent Center. So my son's 21, and I started coming here. With, he's about 7. Um, but and we still use these strategies. So role-playing. I, I had to make sure uh, that, A, I read the IEP, uh, that I had determined. You know, I had to pick and choose my battles. I couldn't fight every single battle. I had to pick and choose my battles, and then I would role-play I role play so I could come up with things that I could say and be prepared and not be caught off guard. Um, just because for me, sometimes when I was caught off guard or they asked me something, if I didn't have the answer, I could come across maybe not uh, not so pleasant. I really, I, to be honest, I felt like there's been so many injustices in our experience, you know, together as many families uh, that sometimes it's hard to really... Uh, to focus on the things that are going well. So sometimes that's really hard because so much has happened. So when I come to the Parent Center, they would talk about different strategies. So I would always be prepared for the meeting. I come up, I would come up with an agenda. Um, I role play before the meeting. I normally had an individual assistance with somebody here at the center. Uh, and in addition, there were different strategies that were used by other parents that we just communicated through me throughout the years, and I tried different different methods, and one that was actually I didn't want to try uh, because I, I really had a, I had a very difficult time with this. So as my son got older and as I got more knowledgeable, you know, it became easier for me, but I it was just very emotional for me. Um, but I remember. Kira, one of the strategies that I remember hearing about here at the Parent Center was, you know, bring food to the IEP meeting. And I remember thinking, my goodness, they don't like me. They're not going to want to eat my food. <laughs> and and I genuinely had felt that at that time. Not that I have no evidence to say they didn't like me. That That's just how I felt. So I thought, that's well, how you that's how you perceive just that. right, how I perceived the situation. So I remember thinking, well, that's ridiculous, but I'm going to try. And, and my son was about fifth grade. And other parents that had been around the parent center had tried it, and I heard them talking about it. And so I uh, I was in Weight Watchers at this particular time. And so it was an early morning meeting. I purposely scheduled it early so um, I can bring breakfast. And I, I brought breakfast, but it was all prepackaged food. And it was one of those meetings that was not going to be great. They had already pre-warned me. As they walked in the meeting, they let me know that, you know, we're going to have to talk about some things that are pretty hard today. And nobody touched my food at first. <laughs> um, and then I explained to them that, well, you know, I, my Weight Watchers, uh, since it's so early, I thought I'd bring you guys breakfast. And the interesting thing was uh, that it really changed the meeting. Uh, I still had to hear about the things that were not so pleasant. Um, but it was probably one of the time, probably one of the real first times that I really felt like we were all on the same page. And my son, and went to, between kindergarten and eighth grade, he went to like three different schools. But I remember just thinking, I really felt like an equal partner. I felt like they really, uh, you know, had his best interest. Uh, and that, that was a change for me to see. You guys
1: were working as a team. It Really,
2: right. We were working as a team. But I have to say, as a family, I wasn't always a team player. I know that I'm part of that team. But when you don't feel like you're part of the team, it can be intimidating. Um, you know, many things can happen. You can get angry. Uh, so, that was probably, I think, one of the first times I really felt like I was part of the team, even though I had knew that, according to IDEA, we're equal partners. Uh, but there's a process in feeling like you're an equal partner. And part of that process is our personal responsibilities families, too. I know it's difficult to navigate with the school, but it's amazing how much parent centers, not only for me, but I know for many people, the parent centers help us get to this uh, different point in time where we really are able to you know, focus on the things that we need to focus on. And I think the Parent Center really helped me with that to, to not try to fight every battle and understand, that, you know, it's not about things being fair. It's what's appropriate for my child. What does he need? Does he have access to the general education curriculum? Um, and, you know, is he getting those services that he needs in order potentially to become a productive tax paying citizen, which is, you know, what we would all like for our kids.
1: You mentioned communication. Um, could you give me an example of a strategy that you you learned uh, here at the Parent Center that you use and you even share with other families?
2: Uh, so I would say one of the basic things that I, I learned, and I actually didn't do it years ago when I first started coming here, but just a simple thing is writing a letter. Communication it didn't always happen unless we have documentation of the communication. So I learned that after I had conversations, I would write a letter and document that conversation. Um, as well as anything that I was requesting, then I would start to document the, those things. In addition, I would keep a call log. So a call log or any type of activity I had with the school, I would keep a log so I knew who I talked to, you know, knew what the outcome was going to be when I had to check back up with somebody. It was a lot of, honestly, for families, it's a lot of work. It's really a lot of work.
1: So I I like the preparation that you, you spoke about and, you know, um one of the strategies of bringing food. But sometimes, you know, you do all this preparation, you you may do the role play, Mm -hmm. and then you get there and you blank, Mm -hmm. and you feel like you're back to square one. What would you suggest for like a situation like that?
2: Right, so um, that may happen many times. So I feel like really successful people fail a whole lot. And so I would say, uh, as a parent going to these IP meetings, you know, I could say that I could have done better many times over. And there are many times that I felt like you just said, uh, one thing that I learned at the Parent Center early on was bring somebody with you. They don't have to be an expert in idea. They don't have to be an advocate. But having somebody else with you to take notes or just to be there for support is so helpful. Um, But also understand that we're all human beings and these are our babies. So it doesn't matter how old they are. These are our kids. Um, And to be a little bit more forgiving of yourself when you don't, you're not that expert, you know, you're not going in there. And, you know, my ideal would be, I like to tell parents, you know, how do you behave at work? Um, how do you act at a business meeting? You know, this is, the people are on the table, this is their business. Um, and that's a lot easier said than done, because again, it's our baby. Uh, so we're not gonna always, you know, we could do all the role playing, we can we can prepare, and then anything can happen. So. One thing I would make sure people remember is to be mindful. You know, bring that friend, and sometimes that friend, uh, again, may not know anything but idea, but they may be able to tap you on the leg when you're maybe going off on a tangent or maybe your your tone of voice is getting angry. Um, I was known as an angry parent, and I, I, you know, I was very angry. And it took a very long time to get from being completely angry to not so angry, and it was a lot of different techniques, so bringing a friend is for sure just one that you always want, uh, you want somebody to come with all the time, and again, they don't have to be an expert on idea, but there's so many different other strategies that other parents use, so many different people use different things, and it's about finding, not only understanding idea and the IP, but finding what works for you, because everybody is different. Things that work for me are not going to work for every family. You know, every family probably didn't start from a point of complete anger, right? So that was the point where I started Uh, So everybody starts at different points and people use what works for them. And that's one of the great things about the parent centers is because there's a variety of different parents that work at the parent centers that could give you, you know, you can bounce things off of, you could talk to. It's a safe place and and we get it. So
1: how did the school respond to um, these strategies, bringing a friend, the uh, documentation?
2: Well, I would have to, that's a hard question uh, because I had already set the tone on uh, how i you know based on how i behaved and the information i had so you bring up a good point setting the tone yeah
1: so by having so from my understanding by having that uh extra prep work they're taking you seriously and i imagine having those uh those extra records those logs there's like wait a minute this mom's on top of things
2: absolutely i would agree with that um but I had already set the tone because I had been at uh, the, the same elementary school for many years with my son. And uh, it was it was a difficult transition in from being the parent that was sort of a stalker. And I say that loosely, um, but from being that parent to being a parent that is up. Uh, focused on this process more in a a business format, almost. It was a hard transition, I think, for myself as well as the school. And I think one of the things so often, and I see this with families, is, you know, we have to remember we're dealing with other human beings that actually have made the choice for this to be their occupation. Families like mine, this wasn't a choice that I made. I didn't make a choice for this to be my life. Um, And it, it amazes me when I really think about it now that People actually chose this as an occupation, so it, it's much easier when I started to view it that way. It was much easier for me to work as a team member in my time to uh, get along with these other human beings that are also focused on my child. So, yeah, you you,
1: you de- uh, I think I misunderstood you when you first said uh, setting a tone. I mean... You talk about that transition from being angry mom. So everybody knew you as angry mom, especially. And this is a, a issue that comes up for a lot of uh, parents, I believe, who's had a child in the school. And maybe the parents weren't confident in the, uh, their rights. But, you know, they become confident from coming to parent centers and getting informed and uh, speaking with other parents. And now you go from angry mom to power mom. Yes. There was uh, a transition. Yes. Yes, Yes, there was a transition. And so, and so, I mean, I guess it took a while for the school as well um, as yourself to adjust to this transition. Absolutely. But how did you feel stress wise after you became more informed?
2: So that's amazing actually. So, uh, I used to really stay so stressed about this and the more knowledge I got, the more powerful I felt. Um, and when I knew there was a network of other people like me, uh, that was very helpful. Um, But definitely, I would say, uh, you know, it took some time and some knowledge to actually feel like my child's best advocate, but I have to say one of the things that Family Resource Center on Disabilities did, and Family Resource Center on Disabilities has been around since 1969, and what they did back then when I would come to the center, and the same thing that we do today is we don't rob people of an opportunity for growth. So we are not doing the work for families. So some families are going to need more intensive services, but... Our goal is for that family to be that child's best advocate because that's the one person or the family is gonna, who's going to be with the child the rest of their life. And I think that that was my big takeaway early on from the Parent Center that we have always continued is really ensuring that we don't rob people for their opportunity to learn and really support them as they navigate through that. And that's the type of support that I got from the center as I was transitioning from the angry parent um, to more knowledgeable parent because Uh, Even early on, I knew I would read the law all the time. And I knew I understood the law, but I didn't understand how to communicate it. And that was a big, uh, that really hindered um, me and and my child as I tried to navigate the system.
1: Could you explain how parents can
2: connect with their parent training information center? Absolutely. Families can connect with the parent training centers in your state by going to parentcenterhub.org that's parentcenterhub.org. At the bottom of the page, it's a, there's a state map, and it says find your parent center. So every state has at least one parent center that provides information and training to parents of children with disabilities birth to 26. And you can find your state parent center on parentcenterhub.org and connect with other parent centers as well as an abundance of resources. So we want to make sure that people leave us today and get connected and feel plugged in to the parent centers, and, and that's going to connect you with other parents so you know that you're not alone. It really does help when, uh, when we're navigating the system and, and trying to go through everything that a family goes through to know that we have other families like us and other people that we can relate to and talk to that get it.
1: Well, thank you, Michelle. I really appreciate uh, you talking with me today. That was so empowering. And, um, yes, thank you
0: you've been listening to tash amplified for more about the series including show notes links to articles discussed a complete transcript and a schedule of episodes updated as they become available visit tash.org amplified you can subscribe through itunes or your favorite android podcast app to have the series delivered automatically to your device so you never miss an episode if you enjoyed today's episode please share it with your friends and on your social networks. Today we talked about the National Parent Technical Assistance Center Network, created to provide assistance to parents as they navigate the educational system created by the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. For help with your student's individualized education program, and to access web-based information and tools right away, visit the Parent Training and Information Center in your state. To find your state's Parent Training and Information Center, go to parentcenterhub.org. Scroll down the page and click on the USA map for a directory of state offices. Music for TASH Amplified is an original composition and performance by Sonny Seferati, the co-director and autistic self-advocacy mentor at The Musical Autist. You can learn more about The Musical Autist at www.themusicalautist.org. TASH is a Values and Research-Based Advocacy Association located in Washington, D.C., with local chapters covering 18 states. In 2015, we celebrated our 40th anniversary. We offer organization, advocacy, collaboration, scholarship, and education for people with disabilities, researchers, educators, service providers, and family members. In addition to this podcast, we offer a scholarly quarterly... Research and Practice for Persons with Severe Disabilities, and a membership magazine, Connections. Our 2016 annual conference will be held in St. Louis from Wednesday, November 30th through Friday, December 2nd. You can learn more about the conference, including a complete schedule of presentations, and register at tash.org slash conference 2016. You can receive updates from TASH on this podcast and our other activities by following us on Facebook or on Twitter at Tash Tweet. This has been a sample of the colleagues and conversations available through Tash. It is only because of the excellent work that our members do that we can bring you this information. For more resources such as this and to become a member, visit Tash.org slash join. We'll hear from another outstanding advocate again in two weeks.